Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Reno Whites. My name is Connor. I am your host as always. Good to have you here with me. This week on the show, I am talking with Tia Flores, who is the program director for the Sierra Arts Foundation. It is Art Town in Reno this month, a lot of arts events going on, and the Sierra Arts Foundation is a fantastic organization that has been involved in arts in the area for 50 years. We had an awesome conversation. I hope you will enjoy it. This week's episode is brought to you by DJ Trivia. As many of you know, I host trivia for DJ Trivia at several venues around town. If you haven't played DJ Trivia, please check it out. Go to DJTriviaNevada.com to find locations. It's free to play. It's a lot of fun. We have games Sunday through Thursday at venues all around town. So I hope you will come check it out and play sometime soon. And now this week's guest, Tia Flores. Tia Flores, welcome to Renoites. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm really excited to talk to you about art stuff. July is Art Town in Reno. There's a lot of focus on the arts, and you are the program director for the Sierra Arts Foundation. So I'm really excited to chat about art stuff in Reno with you. Well, thank you, Connor. Very excited to be here today and to talk about Sierra Arts and, you know, our involvement in the community and how we work with other arts organizations and the artists. So thank you for the invite. Excellent. So I think a good place to start for people that aren't that familiar with Sierra Arts is what is the Sierra Arts Foundation? It was your 50 year anniversary last year. So you're a pretty major part of the arts community. But for people who don't know that much about Sierra Arts, can you just give me some background on on what you do? Absolutely. Uh, We're a regional arts organization, which means that we serve, obviously, the Washoe County area, but we also reach out to the rural communities in northern Nevada to provide various art services and opportunities for artists. We're all about supporting the arts and the creative industry within our community and how we can support that and elevate that and keep that to stay within our community so those creative individuals don't don't leave us. So we do that through different types of programming, artist services, ways to create financial opportunities for artists of all disciplines. And that's that's it in a nutshell. Excellent. Yeah, you mentioned all different mediums. And I know that Reno's got a pretty broad art scene. There's, you know, artists of all types. Is there anything that's like a focus or that CR Arts really prioritizes? Or is it artists of all disciplines, of all backgrounds? What's kind of the the focus or the goal of Sierra Arts? So we work with all the different art disciplines, which includes artists within the performing arts. So that could be musicians, theater artists, as well as uh, spoken word literary artists, and then all aspects of the visual arts, which also includes the digital uh, format of that and graphics. Last year was the 50-year anniversary of Sierra Arts, right? And obviously, we had a pandemic. So there was this huge shift in how organizations dealt with the pandemic. And I assume with Sierra Arts, a lot of arts is in-person stuff. It's galleries, it's gathering. And in a pandemic, it's difficult for artists to show their work. How did you guys pivot or adjust the plans for the 50 years of Sierra Arts? And then now that we're kind of coming out of the pandemic... What are the plans for the coming year? I'd have to say we were somewhat prepared, uh, which is a bit surprising. But we had started, because we are a regional arts organization, we had started putting a lot of our different programs and our artist services online to support the artists within the rural communities. For example, we created a virtual gallery platform so that our various galleries that we have around town, we were able to have a virtual platform through our website. So that really helped. And then the other thing that we did is once we realized that all of our programming is out within the community, we thought, how could we pivot and still offer those same opportunities for the musicians to serve the community? How can we do that in a a digital platform? And so we flipped everything to virtual which was a a big learning curve for us, but it was uh, something that we had been planning on doing anyway. And obviously it was a big learning curve for our uh, musicians and and other artists to move that way. But it gave them a skill set that they can carry forward with now, which is really good for everybody all the way around. Uh, So that was a good thing. Yeah, I was going to say, do you think that a lot of artists and your organization learned from 
the having to go online in the last year and are going to utilize a lot of those skills and some of the things that you developed over the last year going forward? I mean, basically, did the pandemic year change the way that Sierra Arts works in some ways? Absolutely. I think what it it did is it forced us to look at other opportunities and other ways in which we can utilize the talent within our community and also create, you know, that venue space uh, virtually. And so what we, as we're looking forward, now we're talking hybrid. Everything's hybrid. How do we do in person and virtually? And what that does is that allows us to go further out into the community and to the rural areas where we didn't have that opportunity before. That wasn't even part of our conversation. And now that it's definitely part of the conversation. I think too, it, uh, I was just talking to one of our musicians yesterday who is a, uh, he's been with our elder care concert series program, amazing musician in town, Colin Ross. I was chatting with him yesterday and we were talking about the fact that here we are at an event and we're not having to wear masks. And he says, yeah, it's kind of weird to perform in person. And he did a show every single week. And he was saying that he was surprised how supportive the community was because he did a Facebook live every Monday and people donated to him to help support him. And he didn't even ask for it. And uh, he said, obviously, this is something that I that I needed to do. But it also perfected those skill sets for him. And he said, you know, who would have thought I would ever learn how to do all that stuff? So I think that's the blessing in all of it, in all of it, is that, you know, we were able to see how can we still move forward through this? And here's the other thing about this, Connor, is, you know, we're working with talented, creative people. They are problem solvers. That's the interesting thing about working with a bunch of artists within our community. They're natural problem solvers. So they figure out, okay, how can we pivot around this and, you know, and move forward? It doesn't matter if there's a pandemic. That doesn't mean creativity stops. You just find a different venue in which to demonstrate that or to make it come in fruition. I mean, it's, but you continue to create. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, do you think that there's been some, I mean, I hate to say upsides, but some unexpected benefits of people shifting to more online and more hybrid? Has that increased access for some artists? Has it increased access for some art consumers? Do you think that there are some, some benefits to this challenge and like, you know, putting the challenge in front of these artists and helping them find solutions? Has that had some kind of like spillover effects on the arts community in Reno? I would say definitely yes. I think that it, you know, it it helped for them to see how can we reach a broader audience. You know, especially when you're talking about artists and performing artists is, you know, they want their artwork to go as far out as possible to reach all different types of people. And what they realized is they were sort of forced into taking that leap of faith and, you know, and investing in their and their skill set and how they could expand that. The other thing that it did, it shined a light on the negative side. And what I mean by that is those who do not have access to the arts or the ability to be able to show their art just because uh, they live in an area where they didn't have those types of opportunities or not financially uh, solvent to be able to do that. That's one of the things that we're definitely looking at at CR Arts because we're all about equity everybody should have access to the arts. And so, you know, we're taking a strong look at this and how we can improve that mm-hmm. uh, situation. Yeah. I'm curious about Sierra Arts connection with Reno over the years, because you've been here for 50 years. It's a very established organization and you've had some big projects and some big partnerships and those kind of things. Can you talk a little bit about how over, you know, the years and decades Sierra Arts has worked with Reno to, maybe introduce more art or kind of shape us or brand us as an artistic city. I know the Riverside Artist Lofts is a, that's a product of the Sierra Arts Foundation. So can you talk a little bit about some of the, the projects and kind of the, the bigger picture connections between Sierra Arts and Reno as an art city? Uh, yeah. So basically what happened is a little over 50 years ago, you know, as the art community was coming together in the downtown area. So you had the Pioneer Theater, you had uh, Reno Little Theater. So you had some of these communities that were already developing, and I would say art leaders, and they needed a cohesive voice to work with the city leaders and to start an investment 
in the arts, especially as it pertained to the downtown area. And that it is, you know, it's not in competition with tourism. It supports tourism. And so they identified at that time they needed that cohesive voice. So they came together and they came up with Sierra Arts Foundation. And so Sierra Arts Foundation actually was established in 1971 with the premise that the, the community would have a cohesive voice and work in partnership with the city of Reno. One of the things that came out of that is that the city of Reno their investment to the arts and the art community and the arts organization is they would offer grant money from room taxes. And if CR Arts agreed to do grants, individual grants to artists and performing arts within our community, and both have held their end of the bargain on that. So I believe we're the only city in the state where our city officials offer grants and we have a regional arts organization that also offers grants to, to individuals. So we're very fortunate to be able to offer that. So as we've gone along, we've been the art partner for the city of Reno. We're also the art partner for the city of Sparks, Washoe County. We're doing a lot of partnership stuff with the city of Sparks right now on their NEA grant that they have. We're doing a docent program that we're just kicking off on the 15th. So we're doing lots of stuff. Our favorite thing is to partner and collaborate. And that's what we're all about. And to use the talent within our community to make that happen. I think I heard something about there's an art walk or something that is just starting. Is that something that is attached to CR Arts? Is that something that you guys are have created? Yeah, so we've worked very closely with the uh, City of Sparks in in making this happen as their art partner on that. So they've partnered with a nonprofit organization called 39 North and also with uh, CR Arts, and they've been able to put some public artwork out. So right now they have six pieces, six public art pieces that they're going to be showing off. The kickoff is on the 15th. And uh, we're helping in that. We've organized, uh, CR Arts is organized to have some artists there selling, selling their artwork. We have a galleries at uh, work program. So we've put some artwork in some of the various businesses down around uh, Victorian Square. And then we also partnered with the City of Sparks to launch the depot. We've converted that into a gallery. So that's the depot gallery that we have there on the on the main drag of City of Sparks. And then, of course, we're doing the uh, the art tour part of that. So CR Arts is responsible for training the docents for the art walk. And, you know, again, we're all about partnering and helping, you know, everybody be successful in those endeavors, especially when it comes to public art. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a big part of that is giving people places to show their art and kind of creating those spaces that might not have existed otherwise. And I know you have your main gallery at the Riverside Artist Lofts building, but there's several other galleries that you have worked on creating and making that space, right? Can you talk a little bit about the kind of creation of space for artists to show their work? Yeah, so we're always looking for venues. I mean, one of the biggest concerns that we hear from visual artists, there's just not enough Uh, venues for them to show their work. And we can have some amazing talent within our community, but how would we know it if we never have an opportunity to see it? So we have a strong commitment to create space wherever we can for artists to show to show their work. And of course, we are the owners of the historic Riverside building that has the artist lofts. And I can talk a little bit about that later. But what that did is that created some gallery space for us inside that along with our offices. So we have the main gallery space. We did have a conference room. We decided that conference room would be best served as another gallery. So we moved that big old table out of there. And then uh, under the stairwell, we had a beautiful grand piano that probably was only used a few times a year. So we partnered with the Pioneer Center so they could use that. And we created another gallery space. Then we partnered with the City of Sparks to a building that was only being used to store stuff. And that was that depot. And so we created gallery space there. And then probably one of our biggest programs that we have is called our galleries at work. And that's where we work with businesses because we think that art should not only be in the home, but it should be in the workplace. So we work with businesses and we take uh, local art and we, you know, hang it. 
there in there, which is great. And artists can sell their work from there. So that's another opportunity for them. We rotate artwork in and out. Uh, we've had our work in Senator Cortez Masto's office, in her Reno office, in Las Vegas, as well as Washington, D.C., uh, Senator Rosen. You know, so we work, we try to get that artwork out there wherever we can. And luckily, we we're able to work really closely with the uh, city of Reno and city of Sparks in, in making that happen as well, as well as businesses within the community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the things you mentioned briefly was keeping artists in Reno, like making sure that they have opportunities here to sell their work, to make a living, to show their work so that our artistic community will stay and not you know, flee for cities that have maybe more going on in the arts world. Do you think that's an important part of the equation is making sure that artists have like financial viability in Reno? And is that a big part of what Sierra Arts is focused on as well? Absolutely. I think it's really important for artists to feel that their community is here to support them. Sierra Arts really takes on that role. I know for me personally, when I was an emerging artist in the late 1990s, Sierra Arts was very influential in helping me, you know, create a business plan, elevate my artwork, create opportunities for me to show my work and sell my work and just really supported me in that way. And I'm grateful for that because I'm a fourth generation Nevadan and I don't want to go somewhere else. I, I want to, you know, do my artwork here because this is where I love to live and I, I, I want to stay here. And, you know, you hear that a lot with a lot of the artists in our community is they don't want to go someplace else, but they also want to make a living off their artwork. And I think that, you know, that's an important piece of Sierra Arts. And I think we take that responsibility very strongly and to heart. You know, it's just heartbreaking. For example, our executive director, Tracy Oliver, her son, David, is a bass player and he plays all around town. Um, He was on the Art Town Heart to Heart with Eric Anderson, but he doesn't want to leave this area. You know, his, his family's here and I know Tracy doesn't want him to leave this area. So, you know, it's all about that opportunity here and what we can do to, to, you know, to keep that talent here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You mentioned your history with Sierra Arts. Can you just talk a little bit about your art and your connection with Sierra Arts and your, your role right now as program director? Can you tell me a little bit what that is and kind of how you came to work with and be a part of Sierra Arts? Sure. So I was, uh, my first career, I would say, when I moved to Reno 40 years ago, I uh, wanted to attend the university to go into architecture because I had taken on that belief that people tell you you can't make money off your artwork. So most artists think, okay, well, then I'll go into architecture. And I wanted to be an architectural um, illustrator. That was my goal. There was an economic downturn And I had to get a full-time job with all the benefits and stuff like that. And before I knew it, that was a career. And it was a career for, you know, over a decade, but it was a job that I loved. It was in the financial industry. And thank goodness it was a creative part of that industry. And I tell people, you know, I climbed the corporate ladder only to discover I was on the, the wrong building. Thank goodness Sierra Arts was around during that time because I decided, okay, maybe I just need to take that leap in. And do my art, just do my art. And uh, I was very fortunate that CR Arts created opportunities for me to, to create my work. I'm known as a pyographer, which is a fancy term for a wood burner. Burn on three-dimensional uh, like gourds or, you know, wood product. But I've been very fortunate with my craft. My work's been featured on HGTV, Voices of America. I've been on um, Artifacts a couple times now. I'm in a book by Mary Lee Fulkerson, and I uh, attribute all that to Sierra Arts because they helped build the foundation for me to look at my art as a possibility to make a living from and, you know, make it my profession. I was very fortunate. And then I found myself going into teaching, so I taught art uh, in the public schools, elementary and high school art, and that was fun. And then I think that sort of ran its course, and an opportunity came to go to Sierra Arts, and I felt, well, you know, this is what I need to do. And that was about five years ago. And they asked me to come on board to be the program director. And because of my experience in being an arts educator, through that time, I became a very, an advocate for arts education. And that every, I feel that every student should have access to the arts and not just privileged individuals. And that's still a big fight, especially here in Washoe County and a lot of our communities. So I'm still fighting 
fighting that fight along with CR Arts Foundation in making that happen. Can we talk a little bit about that? I'm curious what the arts situation is in schools, because I know that in Nevada, we don't always have a lot of money. We don't have a state income tax. Budgetary concerns are year after year after year, always the the thing we talk about. And arts are always one of those things that seems to get cut first or gets to be thought of last. So can you talk a little bit about what the, the current state of arts in our education system, especially for young people, is right now and what Sierra Arts is doing and what you what you'd like to see? Sure. So it's a little bit interesting and a lot of people don't understand the background of it. But I would say in the 1980s, the teachers union got together, elementary teachers uh, basically got together and they they were advocating for themselves to have some prep time like their counterparts in middle school and high school, their peers there. And so they were able to get three hours of prep time per week and this was by the legislators that went through the legislation and each district got to determine what those three prep hours would look like. So obviously for those three hours, those students have to go somewhere from that class. So for example, in Clark County, which is the fifth largest school district in the nation and Clark County's in Southern Nevada, they went ahead and their district voted on that, that each school would have credentialed PE teacher, music teacher, and visual arts teacher. So what an interesting fact on that is because it's the fifth largest school district in the nation, actually Southern Nevada has the largest majority of arts educators in the entire nation, which is an interesting fact. The other counties and other districts throughout the state did it a little bit differently. So for example, in Washoe County, they chose to have library as one of the prep times they chose to have computer as one of the prep times and music as one of the prep time. I know a lot of people say, oh, it's money and budget cuts, but it's really how you end up organizing the situation and creating a proper an opportunity. We are the art partner for Washoe County School District, and I love the people that I work there because they're very supportive of what Sierra Arts does. But I, I would, you know, beg them to get a credentialed arts educator in in every school, because I think every student should have access to that. Where you have elementary schools in more affluent areas where that PTA or PTO can, you know, raise a lot of money and hire somebody to go in and teach art to their kids, where in these other schools, they don't have that luxury of it. So we see it as an equity issue. So this is why we have the big fight on it. The other thing is that, um, and I, I apologize for getting on the the soapbox on this, but I think it's really important. But you have high school teachers that are uh, working with students that maybe that's the first time you have a talented students where they've had any kind of formal instruction on art. And so they have an opportunity to take AP art. Now, I taught AP art. And what that does is that gives a student to get credit, college credit, but it also gives them an opportunity to get scholarship money. So if you figure that you're competing with other students from around the country and your first introduction to the arts, to formal education is not to high school, then you're you're really limited on your scholarship ability or even having um, college credit in high school from that. So I see it as an equity issue on that. And if you talk to a lot of the teachers, they, they feel the same way. On that. So, you know, it's, I think it's important that we look at it. If we're going to call ourselves an art destination and an arts city and community, then let's address the fact that we don't have arts education in all the schools within our district. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's also not just the waiting until high school until you can get that kind of training, but not having that arts education in elementary school also might give kids the impression that art is not something you can do. And we talked a little bit about this the other day, too, where just having artists come into the classroom, having younger students understand that, oh, there are actual artists in our city. This is something that I can be interested in that is a viable thing. If you wait until high school before there's any real focus on the arts, kids are pretty much grown up by then and they've already figured out what they want to do and maybe they didn't have that exposure. So you might also be losing the opportunity for introducing kids to arts at a young age and 
you know, not letting them pursue something that might be a real dream for them. Oh, absolutely. I'd have to say one of my favorite programs that we have is our resident teaching artist program on many different reasons for that. And that is we are able to use local talent from within our community. And a teaching artist is somebody that is a professional artist first, and they're able to, you know, use and add their skill set to teach about their profession. And one of the things that uh, when I came on board with CR Arts is we wanted to focus on how do we go into a school? Because one of the things that we do is we have these residency programs where artists go into these schools to work with the classroom teachers and those students at the elementary level and do some art with them. But it's like limited to six weeks. So your whole entire elementary career, you get six weeks of art, which I think is so unfair. Mm -hmm. So we thought, how could we switch this around? Well, we're actually the only arts organization in Northern Nevada that partners with the Kennedy Center for the Performing Arts. And that's through our Partners in Education program. And that focuses on arts integration. And basically what that is, is you use art as a strategy to connect to core content, such as math or social studies or language arts. So we thought, how could we do this? So one of the first programs that I developed was called Literacy Learning Through Arts Integration. And so we got some talented artists together and worked with them in going in and working with the classroom teacher. And we basically rotated through. So we might have a visual teacher there for six weeks, and then we'd bring in a theater teacher for six weeks, and then a creative movement teacher for six weeks. And what we did is we sort of worked in tandem with the classroom teacher for arts integration and helping them create a skill set. So once we leave, that teacher will carry on. So we, we led by example. So our thing was to go in, okay, if we can't have an art teacher dedicated to there for a whole year, then let's go in and try to change the DNA a little bit. So let's leave behind some of these skill sets. And through that, it was also professional development for the teachers. So the teachers were actually receiving professional development credit as well. So it was a win-win for everybody. And the great thing about it is those students sitting in there can see that the arts have equal value as those core subjects. And that that artist, that's probably the first professional artist that they've seen in their life. And, you know, to think, oh, my gosh, this is a possibility. And I have to tell you, our teaching artists are rock stars when they go into the schools. Oh, my gosh, those students love them to death, you know, because they make learning fun again and they make learning engaging. And it's not all about test taking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's important that that art is elevated to be a significant part of the education process and not just a little thing that you do on the side or they, like you said, if it's only a couple weeks, it's very easy for kids to see that as, oh, art is not important. But it seems like when art is integrated with the other parts of the teaching, when the teachers are learning from that process as well and carrying it forward, it really probably cements that idea of art is a possibility. Art is something I can do for those young students, right? Absolutely. And if you think about it, you know, that's the organic way in which we learn. That's the natural way in which we, we've all learned. So especially if you're working with students from another country or, or English is their second language or, you know, a minority student, I mean, this is the best way to get them engaged is through that organic, natural way in which they learn. The thing that I love about it too, and we really try to stress this with the, with the teachers, the classroom teachers, is that you, know, you can really assess a student's progress real easily through these art strategies. For example, if you have a student, you can have students lined up in their desk and reading aloud. And that doesn't mean that just because that student's reading that book aloud, that they're actually comprehending anything, mm-hmm. right? So how do you how do you determine if they're comprehending? Well, the natural way that we've always done it is you put a piece of paper in front of them and you give them a test on it. Or you could do something different through theater. We have this thing that's called tableau and they get up, you know, they can act it out or they can draw a picture of it or, you know, they can create a poem about it and get up and do spoken word. You don't have to test them and assess them 
through a paper test, you know, and then that's a quick assessment for a classroom teacher and also gives that teacher more time where they're not spent having to grade something as opposed to, okay, I, you know, because they need to know, did they comprehend this? And if that's a simple way to do it, then you can move on with your instruction on that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, and that's the fun thing to share with those teachers. And I'll tell you, the teachers, once we have the ability to go in there and work with them, oh my gosh, yes, they're all over this, which is really, really, really great to see. <laughs> that's awesome. You also do a lot of education stuff for adults and for artists, and there's workshops coming up. Can you talk a little bit about how Sierra Arts does adult education or does kind of education and training for artists and adults as part of the process as well? So obviously there's this focus on young people and in the school system, but what kind of educational resources or opportunities does Sierra Arts provide for adults and for artists? In working with adults within the community, uh, again, we're always trying to figure out opportunities for our artists and how they can generate more revenue. And one of the ways is they can teach. They can teach uh, a process, an artistic process with other adults. So for example, right now we're partnering with Art Tech. Like I said, Sierra Arts has got this beautiful facility in the historic Riverside building, and it's great for a gallery, but it's not conducive for any training. So we have to partner for another venue. Art Tech is out off of 4th Street, and it's a makerspace. It's really open, aired. In fact, we had an open house there on Saturday the 10th, inviting the public, especially if, if artists are interested in teaching, this is a great venue for them. And so, again, this creates an opportunity for them to share their knowledge, to connect with the community, and, and make some money. And we're all about supporting those artists on that. What I love about it is that it's at an, a great rate. We want everybody to have access to create and enjoy art making, that process. But the money, the biggest portion of the money goes to the artists themselves. And we really feel we want to support the artists on that. So we have on that end, again, creating opportunity for the artists. And then to support the artists in their career development and their professional development as an artist. And uh, again, looking for a venue. So we are partnering with uh, the Sparks Heritage Museum, uh, working with uh, Christine Johnson over there, who's the executive director, who is awesome. And uh, they have this big, beautiful space upstairs. And so once a month, we're going to have artist professional development. And that will be a hybrid And what I mean by that is people can come in person or they can go online and do that virtually. Our first professional development will be in August after Art Town because, you know, all the hopefully all the artists are busy during Art Town Mm -hmm. and doing quite well financially. But on that one, we're actually having uh, Sierra Scott from the Nevada Arts Council talk about how artists can prepare and apply for artist grants and funding opportunities on that. Very excited, excited that that's going to be the first one to kick it off. And then in September, we have a wonderful team, Caitlin and Kyle Young, uh, Sierra Arts actually works with them. And they're all about social media, how to get your artwork out there and stuff like that. So we're looking at opportunities for the artists to really develop their professional skills as an artist. So, you know, they exceed, we want them to be successful. Mm hmm. And you have, you've had spaces where people can sell work directly, right? Did you have like a pop-up shop at the Pioneer Center last month? Was that a Sierra Arts Foundation thing and artists had their stalls and stuff? Yeah. So uh, we try to have different venues throughout the year where artists can come together. Sierra Arts sets it all up and uh, they basically have a booth space and they get to sell their artwork to the public. We've done that in different ways, usually close to the holidays and stuff like that. One of the things that really changed because of the pandemic is that those opportunities went away. But we knew we wanted to do something and things were starting to ease up a little bit in October, but we knew we couldn't do it indoors. So we partnered with Denise Sewell over at the Pioneer Center for the Performing Arts and asked, hey, would you mind if we use the plaza there? And uh, they said, absolutely. So we were able to, on Nevada Day, have a, an art sale for, for artists to sell their work 
which is great. And oh my gosh, the attendance was amazing. Of course, at that time, everybody had to do social distancing and, and wear masks. But I think everybody was appreciative, one, to be out and see one another, uh, two, to sell their artwork. And I think people were so happy to come and see artwork and buy artwork. So we've had a few things like that. On this 26th of June, we kicked off the Sierra Arts Festival. It wasn't quite 24 hours, even though it felt like a 24-hour festival, but it was from 10 to 9 at night. We had uh, several vendors on the city plaza next to the Believe sign uh, selling their artwork. And then uh, in the evening hours, we had the performing arts come out and, and sing. But we had a um, an art car from Burning Man up there and you know, all kinds of events, but oh my gosh, I was one of the cashiers on that day and I never put my head up because we were just making sales like crazy for these artists, which was, which was awesome. That's great. That's great. It sounds like there's a lot of collaboration with other organizations, with businesses. Is that a big part of what makes Reno successful with the arts programs that it does have and the kind of the arts community here is working together? And is that something that Sierra Arts Foundation has created in Reno? Do you think that your organization has been like a fundamental part of putting things together and connecting people and kind of creating a community of artists rather than individual organizations that are just doing their own thing? I believe so. Our executive director, Tracy, she always says, you know, we're all about friend making. And that's true. It's all about partnerships and collaborations. And I believe that's how CR Arts, that was its intent in the beginning, because when one artist succeeds in our community or when one arts organization succeeds in our community, we all succeed. And we take on that belief. And I know there's a natural competitive edge to a lot of performers and a lot of artists. But I have to say, especially during the pandemic, to see these arts organizations come together. For example, like the Reno Little Theater and Bruca Theater and Good Luck Macbeth, I mean, they knew that they were stronger as a unit. And they came together and searched out possibilities for funding opportunities, what they could do to support one another. And it's like, that's what this community is about. It's about coming together and supporting one another. I mean, if an arts gallery or if a, a theater closes, that's that hurts all of us, not just that place. That hurts all of us. So we, you know, we have a shared leadership, shared responsibility for success within our community. And I think that hopefully CR Arts leads the way in that through, you know, we lead by example. And we know that it is not possible for us to do what we can do without collaboration, without partnerships, especially without the creative talent within our community. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just we that that's what we do. That's what we need to do. Yeah. It is Art Town Month. July is Art Town in Reno. So there's obviously a big focus and attention on arts events and artists and all of the art stuff. So what is going on with Sierra Arts this month? Is there particular events that you want to highlight? What's uh, the Sierra Arts Art Town connection and events and your your focus for this month? So one of the things that we've realized over the years during the month of July is that the best thing that we could do is support the other artists in our community. And so we give up our facility. So if you want to, you know, have a poetry reading or if you want to come in and uh, have a fundraiser in there, if you're an artist, like we just had around the stage, just came in last Thursday, they had a thing called Splatter. We're real more focused on that instead of having people come to see our arts, except for the fact that our gallery exhibit. So we have our member show gallery, which is always our most popular one. And so we have amazing artwork. I think it's called Animal, Vegetable, and Mineral. Oh my gosh, some of the art in there is just amazing. So we have that, and and that's one of the things. We kicked off the, uh, we call it CR Arts Academy, and that's where the art classes are through our partnership with Art Tech. And we just had the open house on that. We have our first workshop on the 17th, and that's called Expressive Watercolor. So that's a pretty fun thing. Obviously, we're promoting the Art Walk because we've put a lot of time and energy in that for uh, City of Sparks. So we're helping that out during Art Town. We have a scavenger hunt coming up as well, which is fun. And there's, uh, so it's, it's, it's public art. And you, know, you have to do is take yourself a selfie, 
you know, of yourself in front of that public art. So we're promoting the public art within our community. So those kind of things. So it's very community driven as opposed to having people come to where we are. We try to push out and support what's going on within our community. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you mentioned public art, which I always associate Reno with. I think we have a lot of murals. There's been this big focus on the outdoor art, the sculptures from Burning Man, those kind of things. Do you think that's a, a fundamental component of being seen as an art city and kind of getting people interested in art is putting it out in front of them instead of making people, you know, go find it? I do. I think that, you know, for any of us that, you know, do any travel and you travel to, you know, another destination, I think as soon as you see some public art or or murals and stuff like that displayed, I think that really says something about that community, that they're, they're invested in that creative aspect within that community. And I hope that when people travel to Reno, and I'm going to say even Washoe County area, that they see that, that they walk in here and it's like, oh my gosh, you know, they must really believe in the arts here. And there must be a lot of creative people here because all you have to do is just look around. You don't have to hunt for it like other towns. You got to go looking for it. And, you know, I'm happy to say we don't have to do that, you know, which brings up another aspect of Sierra Arts is, you know, we work very closely with different municipalities in being that liaison. If they want to have a, a mural someplace, then a lot of times we work with that muralist and, the, you know, and the city or the county in helping make that happen. Mm-hmm. What's the best way for people to be in tune with what's happening in the art world in Reno. I know for me, I follow a handful of artists on Instagram. I know a lot of artists directly promote their work on things like social media. What are other ways that people who live in Reno who are maybe not that involved in the arts, so they might not be following all of the arts organizations, they might not be super tuned into what's going on, but they want to have everything on their radar. So like, how can people in Reno, if they want to have a little bit more awareness of Reno's art world, what's a good place for them to go? Or how, how would you recommend they tune into what's going on? Well, of course, I'm going to say Sierra Arts Foundation's website. Um, and there's a couple things on there. The reason why I bring that up is there's events on the front page right off the bat. So you can scroll down that. We also have an artist roster of all disciplines. And uh, if they want to find out the range of artistic talent within our community, they can go right there. What we've done is we've created, uh, we developed a whole new web site. It's been almost two years now. And the whole intent for that was how do we best promote the art, the artists within our community. And so this has an artist registry on it. So you can go take a look on that, which is great because it's like the artist has their own website. It connects to their social media. So there's that. But I would have to say, and I'm going to give out a, a shout out to Chris Wagner. I mean, with Double Scoop. Oh my gosh, she has, has done an amazing job in highlighting you know, she started off with the visual arts in the area. Now, you know, she has theater and performing arts in that. She has a calendar of events. We encourage everybody to go there, put their events on that as well. And uh, I'd have to say that's one of the the nice places to go right now if you really want to see what's happening. With Sierra Arts, back when I first started getting back uh, with Sierra Arts in the late 90s and early 2000s, Sierra Arts had a magazine. It was a newspaper came out every month and every artist couldn't wait to get this. And it was called the Encore. And in it had a listing of every single art activity that was happening, either be a show or performance. And then on the back of it was opportunities on to do that. You know, though we don't produce that physical form anymore, you know, we try to do that through our newsletters and stuff like that. We also give a shout out to our partners like Double Scoop and um, Sierra Ally, because I think they do a great job as well. And This Is Reno does a really good job on that. Yeah, it's good to see this kind of local journalism around art and this attention through these resources for people that want to know what's going on. So I'm really excited that Double Scoop exists. I know that This Is Reno does cover some of this stuff. I'm glad that you guys have a website that is intended to connect people with the actual happenings in the artistic community in Reno. So it's good to have those resources. What else? What did we miss? What else do you want people to know about arts in Reno? Well, one of the things I'd like to highlight a little bit, 
maybe people are not aware of it, but those of us that have lived in the area for a while, let's say before 2000, you know, we had two beautiful buildings that were standing and where the belief sign is that was the beautiful Mapes Hotel. I mean, it was the jewel of Reno. And when that building imploded, you know, there was a lot of uproar in our community. And of course, everybody looked to the historic Riverside building as to, wow, what's going to happen to that one? You know, because that was the next on the chopping block, which is so sad because the Virginia Street Bridge and the Riverside building go hand in hand. So if you look at it historically, they evolved together. And this is when the, you know, the leadership at Sierra Arts at that time in the late 1990s decided, you know, we needed to save that, save that building. Uh, you know, it's, it, it, it needs to be saved. There's so much historical value to it. So Sierra Arts uh, reached out to Art Space, which is out of uh, Minnesota, and uh, they work with art communities and arts organizations in saving buildings and creating affordable housing and studio space for artists. So we're very proud that, you know, we are the owners uh, and in partnership with ArtSpace of that historic building that houses some talented people right there in in the main town. So um, that's one of the things that we've done. So again, you know, it's interesting. It's affordable housing for artists and all that. Well, you know, we did that. (laughs) We did that, uh, you know, many years ago, and we still think that's important, affordable housing for, for artists, especially work workspace, mm-hmm. affordable workspace for, for artists. So that's one of the things. And I don't know, there's just so much that we've, we've been able to accomplish over the years and, and be a part of. Mm-hmm. I love the Riverside building and I'm really glad that it is still there. It's such an important part of downtown. It has such an important history. I used to be a tour guide and we highlighted that building and we talked about its history and I'm glad that it's being used for for the arts and for artists. Can you talk just a little bit more about how that works? Who gets to live there? And, you know, it's this great combination of affordable housing, housing for artists, studio space. Can you just give me a little bit more background on on how that works? Sure. So uh, our partner, ArtSpace, uh, actually manages that portion of the building because it is, you know, it's government controlled, I would say, because it's affordable housing. So there's certain guidelines federal guidelines that we have to do. And then it has that extra added thing to it, which means, you know, you need to show that you are in fact a working artist to be able to, to be in there. So there's a application process that people go through an interview process and, uh, you, you know, you, you, you have to make money, but not too much money <laughs> uh, to live there. And so if you're able to get in there, you're very fortunate because it's a great way to have all these creative minds come together. And what's really interesting is, you know, our offices are there and it's, it, I don't know, it's kind of neat when you see these artists, you know, leaving the building and they either, they have their easel and their backpack with paints, you know, on them. So, you know, they're going to go out and do some painting. You have a lot of musicians in there. So they're, you know, they have all their stuff packed on their back where they're heading out to do a gig or something like that. So it's really nice to be a part of that. I mean, to be living in that. I mean, you, you have to pinch yourself sometimes and say, oh my gosh, how fortunate am I to be, you know, one, working in this beautiful space, but two, to be able to work in this field and to support, you know, these creative beings within our community. Mm-hmm. What would you like to see from the Reno arts community in the future? You know, where, where do you want us to go? What do you think we're missing in the big puzzle of different artistic outlets and opportunities? What are your hopes for, for Northern Nevada's art going forward? Well, the first thing I would say is, you know, to take a look at access to the arts and arts education, because I think that's a foundation. Obviously, I'm very passionate about that. The other thing is to, and and I think the pandemic brought this to light, that the arts have value. They support us individually, but they actually bring us together as a community. And I think that, you know, I can't imagine anybody surviving the pandemic, living through this pandemic with no access to the arts, whatever that might look like, movies, music, poetry, reading books, I mean, all that. I think the arts really kept us sane on that. And to realize that those are individuals behind that, that need an affordable income 
to help that and to prepare for the future. I know that uh, as soon as the pandemic hit, CR Arts was the first to step in in March. As soon as everything shut down, we stepped in and did a fund drive to raise money to give artists money right away. And within that first time, we raised $30,000 and we were able to turn around to give out that $30,000 right away. And then we partnered with the city of Reno and we were able to give out another 150000 to those artists in our community. So I guess I would say is, you know, when you look at this creativeness all around you, that those are individuals behind that. That's an individual behind that, that mural that has spent a lifetime perfecting that craft and figuring it out, you know, be, behind that um, public art piece. There's an individual behind that that has probably spent every penny they had to get to that point and to perfect that craft and and to invest in materials and stuff like that. And to know that, you know, a painting, anything they see, a sculpture, think that there's an individual behind that and there's a story behind that and there's a life behind that and that we want that to stay here within our community. So the best way that you can support it is buy art locally. Go to your local theater, you know, uh, just do that. You know, these artists are not looking for a handout. They just want you to buy their art. That's what I would say. That's the best thing you can do. And also push for arts education. <laughs> mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It was really exciting to talk to you, especially during July when there's so much focus on art and to learn so much about all of the great things that you guys are doing at CR Arts. So Uh, hopefully listeners will go check out the website and get in touch with you and know what's going on in the arts community. And I appreciate you taking the time to, to tell me about it. Absolutely. Connor really appreciated the time here to talk to you. I know you're a Renoite, so, you know, it's really important to you. And, um, so thank you for the, again, for the invite and to be able to talk about, about the art and CR arts. Thank you so much. Thank you. Listeners, thank you so much for checking out this week's episode of Renoites, and special thank you to Tia Flores for being a guest and talking to me about the Sierra Arts Foundation. Please make sure to check out their website. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. As always, if you enjoyed the show, please do me a favor and let people know about it. Share posts on social media, let your friends know that the podcast exists. I'm always trying to let people know about the show and find more listeners, and you can help me out with that. Also, if you feel like leaving me a review, that definitely helps people find the show. That's all I've got for you this week. See you next time. Mm-hmm.